Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. And this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. So, what was your dream growing up? What was your ambition? What did you want to be when you grew up? Now, most of the time we would probably answer this question in terms of a career. Maybe something else as well, but largely it's a career. It can be a very noble career for a very noble intention as well. But probably few people, if any, would ever answer that question, well, when I grow up, I want to be a saint. And yet, that is precisely what all of our first and foremost ambition and dream ought to be. Today in the Byzantine liturgical calendar is the Sunday of All Saints, which comes providentially after the great Feast of Pentecost. I'm always amazed at the ingeniousness of the liturgical calendar and that, that cycle, the rhythm that it is based upon. It makes so much sense. It's interesting how we're coming to really the end of all the great feast days. You go all the way back to Christmas, the birth of Christ. God comes into the world, incarnates himself, and everything starts to unfold from there. We go through his life, and then we come through the season of Lent, that great rich season of repentance, of bright sadness, of the flowering, the springtime of repentance. And then we come, of course, into his death on the cross and resurrection. He ascends into heaven. And then the last and final task was to send the Holy Spirit. So we've got this magnificent rhythm with rich, rich feast days and great, great, rich, magnificent liturgical expressions of these feast days and their theological significance to us. And now, after all that, we come to the Sunday of All Saints. And it seems so proper, so ingenious, so appropriate. Because up to this point, we've been given or have immersed ourselves into everything that ought to help us become saints. In other words, we've immersed ourselves in those aspects of Christ and his salvific action, his life, that provide us with the lessons, the graces, the guide to becoming saints. 
that one ambition I mentioned that we all should have. Yes, we can have career ambitions and so on, but even our careers ought to be vehicles or venues in which we actually work out our sanctity, which we grow in sanctity. And wouldn't it be a different world if we took that attitude to our work? That our work is not just a drudgery or not just to bring home a paycheck and then a real fun life begins after five o'clock, to use a figure of speech, but rather our work is a venue in which we grow in sanctity and therefore help others to grow in sanctity as well. And this Sunday of All Saints, in which we recognize all the saints of the church throughout history, comes at the end of all of this, what I will call the preparatory seasons of the church. In other words, preparing us to send us on our way. It's almost like we've been given everything we can possibly be given by God through his church, especially through the liturgy, the liturgical calendar of the church. We've immersed ourselves in all that. We've got everything we need. And now it's like the church is setting us a sail. It's allowing us now to walk our journey, a journey which really is a journey of our own sanctification. And so it seems so appropriate, so providential, so ingenious on the part of the church that it puts this Sunday of all saints here at the end of all of these other cycles of the church, the birth of Christ, Lent, death, resurrection, ascension, and Pentecost. And after this Sunday, we'll move into what in the Western church would be called ordinary time. In the Eastern churches, we call them the weeks or Sundays after Pentecost. And we count them. There's usually about 30 or so of them. It depends on the year, about 33, 34, 35 in, in those regions. And we count each Sunday, and each Sunday also has its own sometimes extraordinary days, the ordinary time or the Sundays after Lent are often punctuated by special feasts, but basically it's, well, to use the term, ordinary time, which really is never ordinary when we're talking about the life of Christ. Let's face it, Christianity is extraordinary because it is ordinary. In other words, the extraordinary is the ordinary. Ordinary is the extraordinary. What do we mean by that? Well, something similar to what I might mean by the word saint, and why I'm using it is applied to all of us. This Sunday draws our attention to the saints of the church, but we also have to use that word in relation to ourselves with a small s. That in the church, it is presumed, especially in the Eastern churches, that all those who live the life of Christ and then die in Christ and pass on into the next life are what we call saints. We use that term in our prayers for the deceased. There's also the capital S, too, refers to those saints which we know have been declared by the church to be sanctified, to be with God in heaven, canonized. But in focusing on both words, saint, capital S and small s, we see something similar as we do in the words ordinary, extraordinary, at least as I am using them on our program today. What we consider to be extraordinary, in other words, the heroic virtues of the saints and even, of course, of Christ himself, is actually ordinary. In other words, we were created by God to be these virtuous creatures, what we would call extraordinary creatures, extraordinary virtue. Those things which we consider to be extraordinary now in this post-original sin era, or what St. John Paul II cleverly called historical man, what we consider to be extraordinary was actually the original intention of the human creature. And this, in fact, is the basis of what it means to be a saint. A saint, really, 
is a person who is ordinary. They are living as the human person was ordinarily and originally designed to be like, to be a person of virtue, to be pure of heart, to be single-focused on God and in seeing God revealed in creation and responding to that vision through praise and thanksgiving. There was that pure gaze, such as we see in Adam and Eve before the fall. They could look at each other and not lust. We looked at everything sacramentally, liturgically, what we might call today even Eucharistically, mystically. There was no vision of lust, of consumption, of appropriation. In other words, I see it, I like it, I want it, I'm going to take it to myself. So that's what happened with original sin. But that was never the way we were. We were not meant to be like that. That came in as a foreign intrusion with that fateful choice of original sin. So sanctity is really about being ordinary. Ordinary in the sense of what the human person was originally intended to be. And also what our destiny is. And we see our destiny, especially in these last few months, in the life of Christ, in his resurrection and his ascension in particular, his appearance to the apostles, where he was somehow spiritualized. He still had his body, but yet it was spiritualized. He could go through doors. He could be in several places at once. It, it had powers that we don't associate with the physical. Yet, those powers indicate to us what is in store for us as well in the destiny that God has planned for us. So the original man, our original intention, the way we originally were before original sin, and how we'll be in the life to come for those who have made it to heaven with our glorified bodies reunited with our souls, and we will be spiritually, mystically transfigured. Those two things, the beginning and the end, are actually closer to each other than what lies in between. See, we exist in the in-between stage. That's why St. John Paul II called it historical man. But the reality, who we really are, lies like bookends at the beginning and at the end and for all time in heaven. So the truth about the human person can be summed up in the word sanctity or sainthood. Conversely, sainthood is defined by simply being fully human. And I think we can see that in the saints that we know. Think of St. John Paul II, contemporary saints today. Think of the martyrs that are shedding their blood. Think of Mother Teresa of Calcutta, contemporary people that have been put before our eyes in our day and age. We look at them as saints not just because they were capable of so many heroic, incredible things, but that they were so incredibly human, so genuinely, fully human. That's really why they are saints. In the liturgical text, as always, we see a lot of very rich insights into this whole idea of sanctity on the Sunday of all saints in the Byzantine calendar. One of the prayers we say is this, Come, let us celebrate the memory of the saints in the joy of the Holy Spirit, for the day of their feast has arrived, filling us with divine gifts. With purified conscience, let us cry out with joy, let us sing in their honor, Rejoice, O choir of prophets who announce the coming of Christ and who clearly see that which is far away. Rejoice, O apostles of the Lord, fishermen who gather the world in your nets. Rejoice, O company of martyrs gathered from all the world in the same profession of faith. For this you suffered punishments and tortures, 
before receiving the crown of victory. Rejoice, O multitude of holy fathers. By your ascetic effort, you subdued the body and put to death the passions of the flesh. And the prayer goes on, but notice what it's done here. It's gone through what we might call the hierarchy of saints. And indeed, there is a hierarchy even in heaven. We're going to talk more about sanctity when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East's mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by writing a check to Light of the East and mail it to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. are listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. It's no secret that Father Loya and other speakers from the Tabor Life Institute are available to speak at your parish or group on marriage and family topics seen through the lens of St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Other topics include Eastern Christian spirituality and the significance of art in the church. The Tabor Life Institute can arrange for marriage encounters, parish missions, and can help your parish facilitate teen faith formation in either English or Spanish. For Father Loya and other speakers, contact the Tabor Life Institute by writing to taborlife at earthlink.net. That's Tabor spelled T-A-B-O-R life at earthlink.net. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. We're talking about saints and sanctity on the Sunday of all saints in the Byzantine liturgical calendar. One of the things that I look forward to every day, one of the first things I do in the morning, we all have our routines. One of the first things I do, and when I do so with a certain excitement, I have to admit, is knowing the morning, actually, to be honest with you, I do it on the evening before because that begins the next day with our evening prayers called the Vespers prayers. So the Vespers introduces what's going to happen or what the next day is about. So what I do is I like to look at who the saint is going to be for the next day. In other words, it's like, who's my little friend when I wake up that's going to accompany me through the day, who I'm going to think about and talk to and pray to during the day. Now, that may sound kind of simple, 
but it gives me a great deal of comfort and a sense of real support. See, one of the great things about the saints and about celebrating saints, one of the great gifts of that that we have in the church, is that it connects us with the next life. It connects us with God. It gives us an army of helpers, of protectors, of intercessors. I feel very supported when I pray to and with the saints. It's like we have this huge net that you can be caught up in, this net of saints that you're caught up in, and they kind of carry you through life, and they connect you with God in a very special way. We need to be connected not just by ourselves directly. See, that would be rather presumptuous. A lot of times people say, well, why should I have to pray through saints, through the mother of God or other saints? Why can't I go directly to Christ? Well, we can and should go directly to God. But when we pray to and with and through saints, it amplifies our prayer. It gives us a great sense of consolation, of strength, of belonging, of community, of support, of solidity. And so I think one of the greatest gifts of the church, as the liturgical text will remind us, the great gems and gifts of the church, is its saints. They connect the two worlds together. And so it is good that we celebrate this Sunday of All Saints today, but we also become mindful from here on after of our own patron saints, the ones we're named after or should be named after, our guardian angel, and just all the saints put before us by the church. A real, real priceless gem of the church's tradition is our saints. Speaking of becoming a saint, one of the ways that we can is by immersing ourselves ever more deeply in the knowledge of our faith. There's an opportunity coming up, a great opportunity, at a place that you hear a lot about on this program called the Shiptitsky Institute. Now, this summer, they're offering a wonderful, oh, all kinds of wonderful things. In particular, it's a study day called Relationships in an Age of Fluidity. Relationships in an Age of Fluidity. It's about, well, what's very relevant to us, just how do we exist as individuals, as families, parents, to exist with our faith, a faith-based existence, in light of what's happening in our world today. Some fascinating speakers, some great topics. That's going to happen in July, Thursday to Sunday, July 2nd to the 5th. So it's coming up, and registration deadline is coming up too. July 2nd to the 5th, that's Thursday to Sunday, at the Sheptitsky Institute, which is in Ottawa, Canada. The study days are actually called an Eastern Christian Feast for the Mind and Heart. It'll take place specifically at University of Toronto, July 2nd to 5th, as I mentioned. And the theme, Relationships in an Age of Fluidity, features speakers such as Sister Vasa, Timothy Kelleher, and Harold and Rebecca Visser. They're a married couple. And after each plenary session by these speakers, other workshop leaders will present on a variety of topics, from Byzantine iconography to the ethical dimensions of the war in Ukraine. Now, registration is required, so to find out and to register, go to shiptitskyinstitute.ca. Shiptitsky is spelled S-H-E-P-T-Y-T-S-K-Y, institute.ca. Shiptitskyinstitute.ca for a marvelous seminar, Thursday to Sunday, July 2nd to the 5th, 2015. Immersing ourselves in our faith, knowledge of our faith, is one way to become more sanctified. But I'm going to offer what I consider to be seven basic signs or ways of sanctity. 
things that I see in the saints. Now, there are many. We can all make many, many lists, many qualities, but these are seven that I've come up with in particular. In other words, they're both the characteristics of what I see as among the saints, but also they're the things that we need to imitate and to incorporate in our lives, to become saints, to become holy. Now, the first one, ironically, number one, is don't plan on being a saint. I mean, we should aspire to it, but don't plan on it. Don't contrive it. Don't think that you are. Just live fully human. Live as genuinely humanly as possible. Just just live in a way that where you're very, very present to the moment, not where you're thinking just of the moment. You have to understand past, present, and future. But you have to be very immersed in the moment, being as fully human as you possibly can in the moment. Just be human and let the declaration of your own sanctity be up to God and his church. So ironically, to become a saint, don't think about it. Don't plan on it. Just live humanly. The second thing is to have an ascetical dimension to our life. In other words, we must, we must die to ourself and rise to our truer self. Now, this is a difficult one because I believe in our time today, we seem to be raised, not necessarily by our families, but by culture, by our times, to be very tit-for-tat, eye-for-an-eye. We tend to respond to people the way they respond to us. If they mistreat us, then we're mean back to them. And there's a lot of I and me that we put up front and center, and I think we don't even realize this because we live in a time that's very narcissistic, a time where we demand entitlement, when it's all about me. And this It's become something that's in the air that we breathe. We may not have been raised this way. We may not think that we are this way. But I think it is inescapable because of the times that we're in. Very, very me-oriented times. And it's difficult sometimes to become aware that we're being this way, even in little ways. So there is no end to how much dying to self, to that ascetical discipline. And it's a very big aspect of Byzantine and Eastern Christian spirituality. It's why we do a lot of fasting and praying. We've got to die to that, that gargantuan ego that we don't even realize we have. Die to self. Okay, the third one is humility. It's related to the second one. When I think of the saints, I think of, and oftentimes throughout the day, I will think to myself moment to moment about my own response to things. Am I being humble? What does being humble mean? How were the saints humble? Well, the word humility, where we get the word humus, you know, that very, very rich soil, and that very rich soil is made how? By accepting a lot of garbage, by accepting a lot of rotting things, the process of accepting rot and turning it into rich, life-giving soil. That's where we get the word humility. How much are we taking and taking in a very patient way? Are we always complaining, either in thought or in action? Are we always spitting back? Are you always striking back? Or do we just remain silent and, and take it in, just like that soil? You know, soil is quiet, right? You dump stuff on it. It doesn't protest and say, what are you doing dumping that stinky garbage on me for? It just quietly takes it and turns it into rich, life-giving humus, life-giving soil. So I think the saints had an incredible sense of humility, which I think is way too rare today. That's a tough one. That's one of the most challenging ones is humility. Okay, the next one is a deference, a deferential love. 
I think of the icon, the Trinity, where all three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that ultimate icon of perfect love, it's indicated by the bowing of their heads to one another, that deference to one another. How can I put you first? What can I do to make things better for you? How can I be a gift of myself instead of, you owe me? What are you doing for me? What about me? No, it's all about you bowing in deference to the other. The next point is that people who were saints lived with a great deal of passion. Now, passion just doesn't mean uncontrolled emotion. We tend to think of passion today with a person who has a lot of emotion and they scream and yell a lot and pound their fist and that we say, wow, they're very passionate. Well, no, they're actually very emotional. They can be passionate, but a lot of that is just emotion and bluster, and we confuse that for passion. The most passionate people are those who are humble and deferential and ascetical. Theirs is deep passion. They lived with a sense of purpose of life, of what's really, really important, and they embraced that purpose. They were single focus, single-hearted, as Jesus said in the Beatitudes. And, as the spiritual fathers tell us, they thought about their own death several times a day. The last two are prayer. Saints are people of prayer, ceaseless prayer. And finally, as Pope Francis is always reminding us or calling us to, they ultimately, through it all, were people of joy. This is what I believe marks a saint. And these are the things that we all ought to be striving for with the help of God's grace and the intercession of the saints. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Now you can hear podcasts of Light of the East and never miss a program. And if you wish, hear one again and again and again. How is this possible, you may ask? Just visit ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. And click on the Light of the East tab. There you'll find Light of the East programs for listening or download and a link to a Light of the East iTunes subscription. Now you can hear Light of the East for the first time all over again, again, anytime you want. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years.